0: Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com support. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and and Liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams.
1: Good day, everybody out there in Electric Liberty Land. Good morning, I should say. Doing one of my morning recordings for this show. Crazy, crazy busy. So I'm squeezing it in. So if I'm a little gravelly, it's got to get used to that. As the coffee works, it's magic. Loosens up these old vocal cords. So good morning, everyone. This is Electric Liberty Land episode number 46 that means you can find it at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ell46 so first things first i uh did not get a chance to talk with ryan stout who's on last week's show about the louis ck uh allegations of him masturbating basically whipping it out and you know it's, sometimes it's funny you think about when you wake up in the morning uh first thing talking about dicks but but that's what we're gonna do here on Electric Liberty Land today. Because yeah, Louis C.K. basically has been accused of whipping his uh, schlong out in front of various women. I think there's uh, a few different groups of women now that have said that he had done this to them. Uh, a couple in particular were the ones who really made a uh, a big deal about the story and it kind of broke the news. And Louis C.K. has basically just said, yeah, I did it. I shouldn't have done it. You know, I've got a, a wife, I've got daughters, and I... I took advantage of a situation which I should not have to people that looked up to me and uh, for guidance or for leadership or for advice or for whatever other reason, simply if he was a celebrity. Now the question with Louis CK is of consent in his situation. Cause he did not force himself on anyone. He did not physically touch any of these people. He did not hold them down or really coerce them in any way, shape or form. However, consent becomes a question because in the one specific case, these women had gone up to his room after a show. I think he had said basically, Hey, do you want to come up to my room and smoke pot? So the girl said, Oh yeah, sure. We'd love to. Ah, oh, who wouldn't? Yeah. Who wouldn't a guy that you look up to uh, a guy that is a, a comedian that you would like to emulate in some way invites you back up to his room to smoke pot. Sure. Now some people might say, well, you should have expected that he might put the moves on you and maybe they, you know, in some way they did, but, What happened, allegedly, is that they walk in the room and basically, as soon as they walk in, Louis C.K. says, you mind if I take my dick out? They think he's joking, laugh it off, and then out comes the dick and he starts just masturbating in front of them. And this is something that he enjoys doing. This is something that he's done multiple times. If the allegations are to be believed and because of his letter essentially admitting to these acts, we will just take it at, uh, at face value as being true. So the question is, if somebody says, hey, you mind if I take my dick out and then whips his dick out if uh, because these girls are laughing or just think it's a joke, is that consent? Does that mean uh, when they are then shocked and appalled that this becomes a matter of sexual harassment or, I guess, sexual eyeball assault, whatever you'd want to call it? I think that it's a very fine line. However... I come down on the side in Louis C.K.'s case that, yes, this was crossing the line because there's certain situations where you put yourself in there and you have to know that what you're doing on some level is pushing past what is, is reasonable in an interaction to this matter, in my opinion. Because to get something, for a, for a sexual act like that, I think you need to have very explicit consent. I think people need to know exactly what you're talking about. You can't just play it off. And in one circumstance, these basically the women were saying that he had asked, and before they could even really answer, it was already out there in their faces. So in that circumstance, yes, I think that that, is, uh, that would be considered, I don't even know what the, what the actual crime would be called, but uh, some sort of sexual assault or sexual harassment. But it does bring up the question of where is that line at all times and in what circumstances is going to be misconstrued because you look at the whole hashtag me too thing that was going around. And if you heard my epic rant about that, a couple shows back that was in episode 44. I mean, it's you looked at how degraded the whole hashtag me too became and from where it started as a legitimate Movement for women who had been sexually assaulted uh, or uh, sexually—I'd say—I mean, I'm not even going to—I'm ha- not even going to try to lump sexual harassment in with sexual assault. That's what it was supposed to be about: sexual assault. But it got degraded over time in the period of probably four hours, from I was raped or I was uh, grabbed and groped and uh, and you know he forced himself on me to I was called hun or to he looked at me a certain way or he tried to kiss me. And in those circumstances, who's to know where that line is? Who's to know when it becomes, okay, if you like a guy and he takes you in the copier room and he tries to kiss you, right, at work, and you think he's handsome and attractive and you've always had a little crush on him and he goes in for the kiss, and oh my God, wonderful, what a great story to tell at your wedding. Meanwhile, if you don't like the guy and he misconstrues what's going on, and says, all right, well, I'm going to go for a kiss now on this girl. And then the girl goes, oh, my God, this is, oh, I can't believe it. Sexual assault, sexual assault. That's not, that's not something where I would say somebody should lose their job over. Or that somebody should be telling all of their friends and slandering a person over. Because it's simply a miscommunication or a misunderstanding signals that are being given out. I think we've all, at some point in our lives, misconstrued the signals that someone else is sending out. And when you go in and get rejected, it's kind of like, oh, God. And, you know, the embarrassment is uh, is punish enough without having somebody really beating the uh, you know, beating the bushes to drive you out of a career because now you're some alleged pervert. Now, clearly in Louis C.K.'s case, he went a little farther than most of us would do. This was something where I guess he would presume the women were into it. But as I said, it sounds like he didn't really wait for them to give a full-on consent or a full-on answer before just (laughs) introducing him to Mr. Winky. Now, I want to segue a little bit into the Roy Moore issue as well to make a broader point, which you might have guessed from the episode's name of (laughs) Preachy Perverts. And Roy Moore is, of course, running for Senate, He was on the Alabama Supreme Court twice, or Superior Court, excuse me, twice, was removed twice. And he is famous for being uh, the jackass who would not take down the Ten Commandments monuments and and made sure they put them there in the courthouse, which, in my opinion, is a complete violation of the whole concept of separation of church and state. If you want to have a unbiased judge, if and don't subscribe to his version of Christian morality. I can see why that would be a big issue for you. And it's a big issue for me. And the fact that Rand Paul threw his lot in behind Roy Moore, and to my knowledge, still hasn't rescinded it. I know Thomas Massey had taken his endorsement back, uh, as have several other GOP members. But for Rand Paul to throw his lot in with this guy really pissed me off. And frankly, seeing all of these GOPers stick by him I think is very surprising. And the defenses of him, Now, I, I understand saying, okay, we don't believe the allegations. However, they seem very credible. There's multiple people coming out and it seems like these women are just basically saying this is what happened and there's a clear pattern at play here. And Roy Moore's <laughs> explanations slash denials have been curious to say the least. I know in one circumstance, he said that he had the girl's parents, who I think it was 14 at the time, had her parents' permission to take her out as a 30-year-old taking out a 14-year-old. Now, I know Alabama ain't like the East Coast cities where I am from, but I have to think that most people still frown on that in this country. And it's not India where you're just marrying off your daughter at 14 for a, uh, trading her in for a goat. You get the goat, they get your daughter. Everybody wins, everybody's got milk, right? I think that's the way those relationships usually work out. But for Roy Moore to use that example as a, an excuse for dating this 14-year-old girl shows that he is not flat out denying this. He is not saying, oh, this is made up rubbish to tarnish my image. There is definitely truth behind these allegations. So to see so many GOP members bending over backwards to support a candidate who seems very flawed from the start, and now has showcased this perversion or this uh, predilection for teenage girls, for which he had taken one back to a cabin and, and uh, molested her, and all. It's when you get into the stories, they're they're fairly nefarious. But to keep supporting this guy just because he is looking like he's going to win the seat is shocking. And this is where we get into these the concept of preachy perverts. And it seems to me, looking at Louis C.K., looking at uh, Roy Moore, looking at many other people across the spectrum who hold themselves up as these pillars of virtue. And Louis C.K., I thought was one of the funniest comedians I'd ever heard coming up. I really loved his bits. I remember all the way back when he was still uh, really up and coming before he'd gotten any real modicum of stardom, he was on a show called Dr. Katz. Fantastic show. Uh, by you know, Basically, it was about a psychologist who was also uh, Jonathan Katz, who was a stand-up comedian, and it was thrown in the squiggle vision, which you may remember. You might have seen it from home movies or other shows that had tapped into that specific style from uh, Brendan Walsh. Brent, Brandon Walsh, excuse me. So, Louis C.K. was on the show, cracked me up. But his first comedy special was, you know, really, really funny stuff, really just attacking what was PC in a lot of ways. Tell, you know, calling his daughter a cunt, that kind of stuff. But then as he gained more fame and gained more stardom, he also started becoming a preachy douche, wherein all of his material was trying to make these social points over and over, driving him into your head. And of course, they were very liberal social points. And as that happens, I think he also starts to have enough fame where he can lure girls back to his room and flip his dick out and wave it in their faces. And it seems like this is a direct, it's like a a seesaw or or not even a seesaw. It's like the more famous you get, the more preachy you get, and also the more perverted you get or the the easier it is to get your perversions out because you now have a a willing or quasi-willing audience or at least someone dumb enough to get fooled into coming up to your room on which you can display these perversions. And I'm trying to figure out, is it just that, is the preachiness, is the urge to, to do these social goods and to throw out your opinion on what's wrong with society, is this directly tied into the subconscious fact that you know you're doing something wrong in the background, something you feel guilty on, so you have to make up for it in other ways? I mean, I know Louis C.K. was also very outspoken about women's rights in, uh, in many circumstances. So to have him talk on one side about that and then the other side perform these actions, clearly there's a separation there. So is one making up for the other? And you see it all the time, like with the Roy Moores, this guy, this ultra Christian, ultra, oh my God, God and religion has to have a place in the courtroom. And then he's going out with 14 year old girls and, and molesting children, allegedly. You see it time and time and time again throughout Hollywood throughout politics. Is what I'm saying preachy fucking perverts it's just so tied in with each other, and one of the other things that's come out of this me too hashtag is also people realizing that how many of these celebrities that have spoken out about feminism or ultra feminism and you hear from feminists as well talking about how many people they knew turned out to be complete, just basically sexual perverts that, that are using feminism. And I remember Jordan Peterson was talking about this as well. He's dead on. But using feminism as a gateway or as a suit of armor to uh, for which to the cover their, their true vile underbellies, wherein it's just simply a means to say, no, 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 I'm the best. Look at me, I'm so great. And then you flip that around and... It turns out they're just as lecherous, just as uh, conniving and evil as anybody else. But they actually took it the step farther than anybody else would to take on an entire invented persona just to get what they want out of women, or out of men, for that matter. If you're if you're uh, gay and or gays rights activist or something like that, and you're doing the same thing. So anyway, that's my take uh, this morning as the cobwebs clear my head about. The whole Louis C.K. thing, and I know a lot of people were straight up defending him uh, in the in our own forum, the Lions of Liberty Forum. In case you guys can find that, just go to Facebook and type in Lions of Liberty Forum; it'll pop right up. Uh, answer a question about where you heard about us, and we will add you in there. And hey, if you hear today's show and you want to join, where uh, where it says answer a question, you can just write "heard Brian talking about dicks this morning." That'll that'll tell us that you listen to the pod. So, all right, next thing I want to move on to. Um, now that we've covered the Louis C.K. thing is the Justice Department had a uh, a true dick hat write a byline for the Wall Street Journal in which he uses the Bernie Madoff scandal and subsequent fallout as a justification for keeping civil asset forfeiture and even increasing it. Because I know Jeff Sessions right now is once again stumping through, he's forcing through the civil asset forfeiture laws, even though Congress had taken steps to push it back and try to rescind these civil asset forfeiture laws, which are on the books and which so many states take advantage of. For example, you know, I've talked about this before, but for example, there's been so much abuse within the state police departments and the city police departments with civil asset forfeiture that you know, state senators have gone on the books themselves within their own states to successfully pass and repeal civil asset forfeiture reform. And the reason they did this because civil asset forfeiture, despite what I'm about to tell you, this Department of Justice dickhead is talking about, typically impacts the lowest income people who don't have the power and don't have the means to fight back. So basically, it's another tool that the government uses under the auspices of doing good, which is continuing to attack the poorest people in the community and keep them trodden underneath the government boot. So let me do a a quick, a quick summation, summary, (laughs) summation, summary, it's early, uh, by this guy, Rod J. Rosenstein from the Wall Street Journal. And essentially, what Mr. Rosenstein is saying is that By virtue of civil asset forfeiture, they were able to, let me quote here, we have recovered $3.9 billion from third parties, not Mr. Madoff, and are now returning that money to more than 35,000 victims. This is the largest restoration of forfeited property in history. Civil asset forfeiture has allowed the government to seize those illicit proceeds and return them to Mr. Madoff's victims. So again, they're not actually getting it from Bernie, by the way, but they're getting it from third-party entities in which he had invested in or for which he had paid off and this, these uh, illicit gains. Now, let me ask you, in what world can you make the argument justifying civil asset forfeiture for one of the biggest scandals in, in Bernie Madoff and a man who is ultra, ultra wealthy? I get billions of dollars of talking here. And then... Use that as the justification for keeping a system in place for which police are enabled to pull over you, me, or anyone else for virtually any reason on the street. Because as we've seen, the probable cause is maybe the most subjective thing that the government has ever invented. That or maybe when, uh, when they we would declare people as a, uh, like a, an enemy of the state or some— I, I Actually, that's not even the correct term. I can't remember. God, it's right on the tip of my brain. Uh, an enemy combatant. That's another one, incredibly subjective term that the government just, they, they like to, uh, they like to play with the definition of it. They like to expand it at their whim. So probable cause is another one of those. The reason for pulling somebody over can be that they thought you had a tail light out. And this is how so many people get shot and killed, by the way, off these random, quote unquote, probable cause uh, stops that they do because cops make up a reason to pull you over and then end up shooting uh, Philandru Castile or something like that. So. Probable cause allows them to pull you over. And then they go and they say, oh, well, it looks like this uh, looks like you are I smell a little weed in this car. So I will seize the car or I will seize the money in the car. I remember there was one case I was talking about where somebody got pulled over. It was like a mom and her son. For whatever reason, they got pulled over driving too slow, driving too fast, going too close to the white line. Not on it, by the way. That's another case. <laughs> it's a real life case driving too close to the white line. They were pulled over, they had just made a uh, a sale of a house and had cash in the trunk of some it was like forty thousand dollars cash, whatever extra cash there was, and the police take it and they allege that they if you have that much cash that there's probable cause to think that you're involved in drugs or whatever else. just take forty thousand dollars it's just gone and once that money is taken, you are not going to get it back. it takes years. Even if there is absolutely no evidence, even if there is no criminal, ch- or criminal uh, charge filed, which is also a thing to remember, by the way, there do not need to be criminal charges filed for civil asset forfeiture at all. So that way, you know, civilians, civil asset forfeiture, they take that money, they put it in their police locker, they use it for whatever purposes they're going to use it for, and then good luck trying to get it back. Because again, if you're, if you're most people, you don't have the time and money to hire a lawyer, to spend $15,000, to go to court constantly and go through all of the hoops that they put you through to get this money back and to have to justify why you get the money back, whereas the police don't have to justify anything. So this asshole, this uh, Rosenstein, is trying to use one high-level example of civil asset forfeiture to excuse All of the low-level civil asset forfeiture that's going on. All of the rampant abuse of the system. I mean, it is insulting. Shocking and insulting. And I hope that this is something that more people address. I mean, I again, the Wall Street Journal is running it. One of the most well-read papers concentrating on financial matters in the entire country or in the entire world. This is something I'd like to see some senators write in about. This is something I'd like to see people really making a point about and taking to this week to say, this is horse and this stuff has to stop. There is one more thing I want to add before I go into a commercial break on this, though. And that's I'm wondering, like they don't go into specifically where they get the collecting money back from from this Bernie Madoff thing. Again, they said three point nine billion dollars because what I'm wondering as well is once you start using the civil asset forfeiture, you're basically now since you're not getting it from Bernie Madoff, it said they did not get it from him. They get it from third parties. So what does that mean? Are they getting it from services he hired to work for him that he paid out with this money? Because in that turn, I don't see how that's also right. Then I mean, I understand these people got robbed of their money, and this is where we bring up cases of fraud and and uh, and things of this nature and say, okay, well if you if you were wrapped up in in fraud, of course it's illegal. But at the same time, that was your choice. You took the risk. You got conned. That blows. But to then go around and take the money that Bernie Madoff spent on a third party entity, and I'll just make it up. This is probably not, not the uh, exact situation, but let's say Bernie Madoff used a dry cleaner a lot and you got a mom and pop dry cleaning shop that Bernie Madoff paid $25,000 over the years for dry cleaning services. I mean, is that who they're going after? Are they looking at all the payments that Bernie Madoff made out and said, okay, well now we're going to go get that money back. Even though these people have been paid to do a service they did not know that these, these funds were from an illicit scheme or a Ponzi Ponzi scheme that he was running. So now we're just going to go and attack these third parties and take that money away from them, and there's nothing they can do about it. And correct me if I'm wrong on this. If anybody knows more about this situation and you want to want to tweet at me at Brian McWilliams or you want to comment in the forum, let me know if you have any insight into what third parties they're talking about. Because I don't know if it's just... It financial investments funds that he uh, he went into or what, but for three point nine billion dollars we take it back. I really want to know if it's just them going up to a car dealership and being like, "Guess what? You sold Bernie made off a car and now you owe us forty five thousand dollars." And they'll just be like, "Well, but he but he has the car. And he had the car, and like, well, tough titties.'" Anyway, on that note, we'll go into a break. i will be right back.
0: I know many of you are facing major decisions with your healthcare right now, and I want to make sure that you know about an amazing alternative to your standard corporatized health insurance known as Health Excellence Plus. Health Excellence Plus is an incredible program that helps you keep medical costs under control by taking charge of your own health care and not leaving all the decisions about what doctors you see and what procedures you need or don't need up to some corporate bureaucrat. Along with providing 24-7 access to medical professionals, tax-deferred health savings accounts, and preventative care, Health Excellence Plus empowers you to finally take control of your health care. To learn more, head on over to lionsofliberty.com health, or call the special hotline for Lions of Liberty listeners at 855-290-4447. Be sure to mention Lions of Liberty.
1: Ah, oh, get yourselves healthy out there, my lovely liberty friends. I know you love to drink. Keep that liver healthy. Go get yourselves checked out. All right, so coming back in, I want to talk real quick about Rand Paul, the latest that's going on with him because he had been assaulted, as we all know, attacked by his neighbor, Rene Boucher, who certainly seems like a liberal psychopath. Uh, the latest news is that Rand and his neighbor basically did not talk for years, according to credible neighbor sources. And just briefly, though, I want to talk about the concept of justification that's been going on in the media for the attack on Rand Paul. There was an article that I posted in our forum by this jackass at GQ basically saying, well, Rand Paul sounds like he was a real asshole neighbor. And then he took some shots at libertarians saying that, the libertarians deserve this because we don't uh, we don't respect property laws because we're such such nuts about our own property rights that we don't observe things like the uh, the laws the bylaws of the neighborhood community council or uh, any of that kind of crap. It was just a, a in my opinion a real hack job asshole write up that was going out of its way to justify this man attacking Rand Paul as if as if I could put anything in my lawn. 75 pink fucking flamingos. I could put anything in my lawn that would justify a man tackling me from the blind side as I'm mowing my lawn with headphones in out of nowhere. But that—that that is what the lefty media has tried to do. And that's been ongoing. So despite these early interviews where the media members found the most uh, douchey neighbors they could find who have had little interaction with Rand or his wife, so the initial reports coming out, oh, well, you know, they just, they you know, Rand had a pumpkin patch and a mulching thing and blah, blah, blah. And that's why he got tackled and good. So that was the initial stories that came out from, you know, Washington Post and from GQ and from other asshole news sources. So later, Breitbart publishes new interviews with some six other neighbors who said, no, Rand and his wife are great. The Pauls have been nothing but great neighbors. Their yard is tidy. They never talked, this has nothing to do with yard issues. And that's ridiculous to say. They're very nice people. Nobody should have a problem with them. Now, of course, when you see it in Breitbart, you take it with a grain of salt. Because we know, while Breitbart does have good information sometimes, they also are very right-centric. So, wait a couple more days. More information comes out about Rand and his neighbors and people, again, saying no Rand and his wife are lovely neighbors. Their yard is always kept up. It's always fantastically uh, trimmed and mowed, and everything else. And there's no issue anybody has in the neighborhood. Plus, Rand has not even talked to his neighbor Renee. They haven't or Rennie. They haven't talked for years. So that shockingly just came out in CNN. CNN actually did a, a story yesterday talking about how Rand's neighbors think he's a great guy, and how this does, does in fact seemed to be something where it was just his neighbor snapping because there's no real justification for an attack like this. And I was surprised to see CNN of all outs doing it because there's there's enough coverage out there now, I guess maybe they felt they had to, yet a day before Newsweek came out with yet another hit piece on Rand talking about the issue of the lawn care, which I, I don't understand how in, the, in a period of like a week now, it's been a full week, Newsweek still can't manage to pull its head out of its ass to actually see that there's people that are defending and far more people, far more people that are neighbors that live around and near the Pauls defending them than there are saying that this is, this is something that resulted from, from a pile of mulch or a pumpkin patch. It's just, it, it, it is a sickening look to see how people are politicizing even this type of thing where unanimously, across the board, unanimously, everyone should have said, oh my God, this guy's a psychopath for attacking a guy. I mean, again, you're mowing your lawn. You have no idea what's going on. You're sitting there rocking to Phil Collins. That's what I used to mow the lawn to back in 1987 when my parents gave me $10 to do it. Sue Sue studio. And then you get Sue Sue sacked in the back by a fucking nutball. And to justify it, and that was, I think, the clear delineating line. If we didn't already know where it was, When watching the Hillary Clinton coverage or watching any of the the political coverage through the elections, if we didn't know where the delineating line was between hack liberal media outlets and legitimate news sources, the Rand Paul coverage line is the new standard. Like the Mendoza line for batting and baseball, the Rand Paul (laughs) lawn attack coverage line has made it very clear to everybody which outlets can be trusted and which are purely full of shit. Because God knows if this had happened to anybody on the Democratic spectrum where some Republican guy or somebody had a guy, any, God forbid, a libertarian, had a bunch of posts on his wall about small government and then went and tackled Bernie Sanders or tackled somebody else uh, on the <laughs> the left spectrum of uh, socialistic thought and blindsided him in their yard. Oh, my God, it would have been the biggest media coverage event you've ever seen, and they would not have been defending the guy because he was growing pumpkins. Anywho, moving on, I want to talk a little bit about Saudi Arabia and Iran because there is some major shit going down there. We saw Saudi Arabia, the crown prince, uh, who is basically, they're saying, is going to take over as the, the main king of ding very soon. But the crown prince has been really cleaning up Saudi Arabia and he's doing it under the auspices of uh, corruption reform. But yet, you look at what's happening, and it's very clearly, it's a, it's a power grab. Because he's going after people that, that had former claims to the throne or could possibly usurp his power. He is putting these people like, for example, he rounded up uh, Prince and some eight, I think, high-level ministers, including people that were overseeing the, uh, the intelligence services, high-ranking folks. Puts them in a helicopter. Whoops, that helicopter just happens to crash with all those guys in it. What an amazing coincidence. What a stroke of luck for the crown prince. Also goes after another uh, prince. This is a man who is a multi-billionaire, multi-billionaire. The police go to his house to arrest him. And the prince allegedly gets killed in a shootout with the cops. Because, you know, naturally, when you're a Saudi billionaire prince, And the cops come to your house instead of saying, "Okay, well, you know what? I'll uh, I'll go to trial. I'll let my high paid million dollar a day lawyers work some way uh, out for the for me out of this. Or I'll try to make a deal to leave the country. Some other way to use your power and influence rather than having a shootout with the police. I mean, that's just it'd just be too obvious to do that, right? But no, this prince allegedly had a shootout with the cops in which he was shot dead. Because you know what? Sometimes you just got to take out your Uzi and start shooting. Because, you know, you got, you ain't got no other options. They really painted you into a billion-dollar corner. Just insanity. So there's a lot of shady stuff going on. Now, at the same time, we've got this war that's going on in Yemen. You're fighting against the, uh, uh, you know I love to say things wrong. I'll say this wrong. Healthy hothy every time i read the the rebels names h-o-u-t-h-i i I always think of the rebels on the hoth base in empire strikes back and i always imagine riding tauntauns around in the desert but we all know that's stupid because it would be way too hot for tauntauns i mean madness anywho so you got these rebels Saudi Arabia has been fighting against them. Of course, the rebels are backed by Iran, so it's kind of a proxy war going on. The United States is involved in what has become a humanitarian crisis, uh, wherein a lot of these, these people are just being, oh, God, I mean, brutalized. They're using cluster bombs, which are illegal uh, by international law because they hit too many civilians, because way too many civilian casualties, which is ongoing. So you've got a real horrible situation, and the U.S. is allowing this to happen and backing it up with logistical support. So we are essentially Saudi Arabia's uh, right-hand man in committing these terrible acts of brutality against the people that are, for the most part, downtrodden, poor, and eating dirt to stay alive. So that's lovely. But then we've got the development where the or Howdy Rebels shot a missile, an actual missile, not like a uh, rocket-propelled grenade. But an actual missile at the air force, or excuse me, the uh, the airport, just outside of a major city in Saudi Arabia. So the Saudis say, well, there's no way they could have gotten their hands on this missile without Iran support. Clearly, this is a, this is an attack from Iran via these uh, these rebels. So they're both gearing up for war. Saudi Arabia, of course, has the backing of the United States. They have vastly better military technology because it is basically our military technology on a smaller level, but they've also got a smaller army. So you say, OK, how does this even out? It's kind of like looking at North Korea and South Korea, although <laughs> at least North Korea could inflict heavy casualties on South Korea. Uh, Iran, should they get in a battle with South, or Saudi Arabia, would be decimated for the most part. There's just no way. Saudi Arabia's armament is so much better. If they got into a legitimate war, like we think of traditional war, Saudi Arabia wins in a landslide. Where Iran has the advantage would be in guerrilla war. And that's where, you know, just like in all of these other Arab nations where the United States is still stuck in these quagmires fighting guerrilla war, that is what would have probably happen with Iran. Now, the issue here. This this would all just be spectator sport, but the issue here is that I look at what's happening here. I look at the developments going on with Saudi Arabia and Iran, and I look at assholes like John McCain and his bomb, 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 bomb Iran bullshit, and I say to myself, okay, well, we had this nuclear arms deal with Iran, which which put a nice you – know, it, it turned the boiler down, so it's just a low simmer now between the United States and Iran – I thought Trump was going to blow that out of the water, but it seems now he's going to still try to honor it. They're going to try to iron some things out. All good. Wonderful. Great. Keep us out of there. But now you see what's happening with Saudi Arabia. You see this Saudi Arabian ally we've got here, which the United States has stuck by despite all of the terrible, terrible injustices that go on there against homosexuals, against women, although that is another... Another, uh, maybe conspiracy theory is that Donald Trump during his, during his visit with the King of Saudi Arabia, where he was, uh, touching the glowing orb, maybe Donald Trump made some deals with the crown prince in which he says, okay, you're going to push through these social reforms, having women drive because the crown prince, the one thing he's good on is social reforms. Women can drive. Now he's trying to rein in some of the more extremist movements. He's trying to rein in Wahhabism, which is from another crown prince a uh, big exporter of terrorism. And again, these promises I, I think were made where he says, we're going to stop supporting a lot of these terrorist groups well, hobbyist groups. So that is one of the theories that's going on, that this, this was a deal made in the background, but what was the American promise for that? One angle was to say that, okay, well, Saudi Arabia sees the writing on the wall. They see what's going on with fracking, the cheapness of fracking, where they thought, all of this environmental push, which, again, I'm sure was backed by big oil. That's don't you love that people be all these environmentalists, any study that comes out that goes against global warming or goes against anything that says, oh, well, you know, the the, the quote unquote uh, settled science is not so settled. They go, "Ah, oh, that's paid for by big oil, man. Meanwhile, big oil also pays for a lot of the studies that attack other methods of energy creation, such as fracking. These assholes don't understand that concept that they're going after whatever is a threat to big oil. So they would pay for, uh, for research into fracking and they would support environmental groups that had anti-fracking movements, even though fracking is still to this day uh, through many, many studies been proven that it is safe. But the Saudis said, OK, we're going to try to attack the fracking so that that industry gets driven out. Our oil, which is where all their money's coming from, our oil still stays buoyant and expensive, and we're going to still have a lot of the power in the world. Fracking has proven to be more resilient and far cheaper than they thought it would be. So now they're trying to push themselves into the New York Stock Exchange, which has been okayed. So that's one side of the deal. But I also wonder if there's another side where they say, okay, well, United States keep supporting us. You guys want war with Iran. Donald Trump, you are not a fan of Iran. You hate this nuclear deal. You've got John McCain stumping for war with Iran. All of the neocons want to get in there and do it. Hillary Clinton is probably uh, on a conference call just for fun because she loves to bomb places and hates Iran. So you've got all this building up to Saudi Arabia and Iran getting in a war and then the United States once again providing logistical or even physical slash drone slash whatever bomb run support that we're going to throw in there. So de facto, the neocons are going to get exactly what they want and we may be in another war within the next couple of months because that's the way things are accelerating. So everybody who loves the military industrial complex gets a nice big uh, spoon of sugar on their Wheaties and the rest of us can get saddled with yet another military endeavor, which is going to cost us billions and billions of dollars, cost hundreds of lives for our own troops and keep us in this eternal state of warfare. So isn't that a fun thought? All right. Last thing here. Here's a fun story to wrap up on. I'm sorry. uh, It's too bad. I've got to wrap this now. I'm finally, (laughs) if you could tell, uh, my thought processes have gotten much better as the coffee's got into me and as I've worked through it. And it's a slow, (laughs) it's a slow build here on Electric Liberty Land. (laughs) The morning shows. All right. But anyway, uh, we'll end on a high note here. In Detroit, that beautiful destination, sunny, lovely, economically prosperous Detroit run by Democrats forever, by the way. So in Detroit, the war on drugs continues unhindered because naturally when you've got an area that is economically downtrodden as Detroit has been uh, for quite some time, typically you will have a little bit more drug use as people look to make money in various ways. The entrepreneurship uh, aspect kicks up and people look to escape their troubles in a cheap fashion that typically does not hurt anybody else. However, the city of Detroit can't have people enjoying themselves with these illicit substances. So what they have is they have a ton of undercover cops going in there. And an entertaining story came out the other day, wherein two groups of cops got in a big brawl with each other because they didn't realize that both groups were cops. Yes, they had had one group of cops who were posing as drug dealers so they're slinging probably cocaine or crack, heroin, whatever. They're opposing as drug dealers to try to lure in unsuspecting victims for which they will arrest them for purchasing or holding uh, illicit substances, which is just, oh you love that? These sting operations where there's just a guy trying to get his fix. They draw him in because you know, they want to say, oh, we're trying to get the bigger people. Yeah, bullshit. You're just trying to make your, your chintzy arrests and, and throw more people in jail. Anyway, you got one group of cops posing as the dealers. They accidentally, unbeknownst to anyone, interact with another group of undercover cops who were posing as buyers to try to bust the higher-up dealers. So what happens? They get together. Something, uh, I guess something got kicked up. Something goes wrong. We don't have all the details of it. But the general details is that they get into a giant brawl wherein people are getting knifed, people are getting punched and kicked, and there's a giant brawl. Guns are drawn. Nobody got shot, I believe, because they probably at that point all whipped out all their badges and then realized what assholes they are. But they got into a big ass fight, literally beating on each other because their drug war has gotten so prolific, they can't even keep track of who's doing what. And everybody's trying to entrap everybody. And I swear to God, I, God, I hope against hope that this happens every single day. Until the drug war ends. I, nothing would give me more pleasure than to see undercover cops just continuously beating the living crap out of each other because they're too stupid to realize that they're that they're both supposedly on the same team. And really probably what they're fighting over is who gets the kickbacks. Let's be honest. Serpico all over this. So anyway, that is your, uh, to, to take from the Daily Show, that is your moment of zen this week. And I will wrap it there as I've got to jump in the shower, get my ass to work. So guys, hope you enjoyed this week's electric Liberty land reminder. Do follow us on Twitter at lions of Liberty. Follow me at Brian McWilliams. Don't forget. You could join our pride, which guys, I gotta tell you, we're pumping out content. Like you wouldn't believe we actually have way more shows coming out on the bonus side than we do on the regular side and uh, lots of fun stuff. Extra uh, libertarians in living rooms, drinking liquor, we're doing our, uh, well, we did our very special gambling podcast. That was a good time. So we do a lot of extra content, a lot of, a lot of bonus uh, interview tidbits, before and afters on the show. So a lot of good stuff. So if you want to support that, go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. We would always love to have a little bit more so we can look to do more things with the show. And again, follow Mark on his Monday endeavors into uh, deep interviews of libertarianism. We've got John Odermat every Friday with Felony Fridays looking at the criminal justice system. Make sure you listen to those shows as well. And if you have a moment, please do give us an iTunes review or share the show. I know you got a lot of you in other libertarian Facebook groups. Hey, link to the show, guys. Please do share it around as we try to grow this and uh, spread the ideas of liberty. So from Lions of Liberty, from me, Brian McWilliams, and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.